this is Joy. And this is Claire. That was so weird. You've never said hello I know. before. Well, you know what? I, I'm trying to move away from hello, hey guys, because, you know, it just feels like that's just, a little outdated. Okay, okay. We're trying something new after 10 years. How's it going? <laughs> threw me off. Welcome. Happy Thursday or whatever. How are day you're you? Wow. Just turning a new leaf here at Joy and Claire. Here we are. It's- here we are. We have a lot to catch up on. We do. I know last week everyone was like, we want to hear about the surf trip and we want to hear about Joy's medium and we want to hear. And so, you know, we're here to kind of catch up on all the things. Last week we had Sassy on. It was a great discussion. Got a lot of good feedback that it was helpful. And I like per- uh, personally the person who wrote who's an actual pharmacist that was like, here's the issues that we see with it. This was a and very she's balanced actually discussion. on Wagovi. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved that DM. And in all in the, this is what makes me love our community in like the complicated mess, not even mess, but just the complicated like maze that is this topic. We only had one person who just was like scathing. And when you read their message, it was so clear that they did not actually They did listen. not listen. Yeah. They were bringing up things where it was like, well, you, you know, you didn't like this this, that, and the other. And it's like, we'd addressed those points head yeah. on. And right. so that's fine, you know, or maybe they did listen and they just heard what they wanted to hear and that's okay. We can't control that. So yeah. we really just love this community so much for being open-minded and being willing to bring up different viewpoints in a respectful way. It's just so wonderful. So we'll get to that as well. But yeah, so surfing, Womp, womp. Womp, womp. What happened? I was supposed to go to Tofino, which is on Vancouver Island. As everyone knows, uh, Canada has been dealing with extreme wildfires this year. You know, in Colorado, we are no strangers to the wildfire situation. And so I really empathize with that. Vancouver Island is a very small community. There's really one main highway that takes you from the east side of Vancouver Island, which is obviously how you get onto Vancouver. I mean, maybe not obviously. So you take, you can fly into Vancouver Island at different points. You actually can fly into Tofino, but it's very expensive. Or what a lot of people, maybe even most people do is take a ferry over from Vancouver. So you land on the east side of Vancouver Island from the ferry, and then you have to take this highway from the east side to the west side. And normally it's like maybe about a three to four hour drive. The Tuesday or Wednesday before my trip was supposed to start, they close. They had to close the highway because of a wildfire. And the wildfire itself, at least from compared to the other wildfires in Canada and the other wildfires that I've known about in Colorado, was not that big, but it was right on the highway. So they had to close the highway because there was like obviously the risk of fire, but also the fire was making the ro- the like mountainside unstable. And so there have been like rock slides and we were all kind of like, well, this stuff can develop so quickly. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine. As of today, which is June 17th, we're recording this, the road is still not open. They're still thinking that it's going to be like at least another week before they can open it from now. And there is one detour in place But it's like kind of sketchy. And that first weekend when they had it open, they were really trying to tell people like, please don't take this road unless you have to. There were rumors that they were going to set up checkpoints to make sure that like you weren't driving the road if you were a tourist. Because kind of one of the first things that happened was the tourists like flipped their car into a lake. And then they had to like shut the recovery road down so they could take the road out of the like car out of the lake. Anyway, it was just a mess. Suffice to say, my trip got canceled. (laughs) Like Friday morning rolls around and I, you know, we're, we're like my, this gal Amber, my friend Amber was so amazing at coordinating everything. She lives in Calgary and she had like 
coordinated everything. She packed all our camp stuff. She was driving. Yeah, because she was doing drive. like most of your your gear. All my stuff. The entire you. time yeah. I was just thinking like, I'm so grateful that she is willing to do all this. And then she made it. Her parents live like halfway between Calgary and Vancouver. And so she got to her parents' house and then the next morning they called off the trip. And so we had, you know, she just like kind of obviously pulled the plug and turned around and went back. And I was so bummed. I mean, obviously I've been looking forward to this trip. We registered for this trip back in March like the spots for these trips go so fast that I brought my laptop to Eldora during ski school so I could register like sitting in the little lodge with my computer. Just super bummed that it didn't work out. But I I totally get it. And I also, they, the operation that they run is pretty small. I think it's like maybe five women or fewer who run this whole organization. They have trips like every weekend. They only do two of these longer week-long trips. And so they don't have the ability to reschedule it, which I totally get. So Amber turned around and went home and we were both super bummed. And I was like, really, I mean, these trips are so important, have become so important to my mental health that just kind of calling it off and like going back to my day to day for the week just did not feel like an option that I wanted to have to deal with. Like I just was really worried that I had kind of set this up of I'm feeling really kind of burnout coming out of the winter and I'm going to have this trip and it's going to kind of give me the energy to like get through the summer and into the busy season at my job and thinking about not having it was just like, oh, I'm going to have to, it's sort you know, it's like when you think that you're going to have a water break or something and then you don't get one. So I was able to call my best friend who lives in San Luis Obispo, which is like on the central coast of California, decided to go out there for a couple of days instead, which was super fun. I'm really glad that I was able to make that work. She has some other stuff going on in her life right now that I haven't just haven't seen her in a little while. And so it was nice to have an excuse to go see her. And so we went surfing and the waves were pretty bad. <laughs> But it was still just so fun to get out in the water. And we saw the first day we got in the water, we saw some seals and like there were some dolphins. And I was so psyched on the seals because they just like pop their little heads up and kind of look at you and then go back down. Oh, and I was the like, best. why is there seals? And they were like, yeah, there's seals everywhere. And it's like, you know, it would be like us seeing like a deer on the side of the road. And people were like, oh my God, a deer. And we're like, yeah, whatever. But I was so psyched <laughs> on the seals. <laughs> And then I know. It's so funny how normal it is for people. And I like, remember what? somebody recently – or not recently, maybe like a year ago, we talked about that on the podcast. And someone was like, oh, that's like kangaroos in Australia. Like everyone freaks out and they say see kangaroos. But people who actually live in Australia freaking hate kangaroos. Like they're everywhere. Oh you like gosh, hit them with your car all the time. Out. Oh my gosh. I would freak out if I saw – yeah. Right? But to them, they're like deer. Like they're just around. Right. Right. Anyway. So I ended up still going to <laughs> California. We also saw some sea otters, which I love. Oh my gosh. That was so cute when you put posted that picture i was like oh see animals that aren't scary the ones that are cute it's the most adorable thing when they just pop their heads out of the water yeah i love like ocean turtles yes non-sharp toothed ocean megafauna yes the water was freezing so i still got my like cold water (laughs) fix I didn't get to try out my new wetsuit. I didn't I didn't uh, take the one with the hood because it wasn't going to be that cold. I had a good time. I got back on Tuesday night. So it was a much shorter trip. I am still – I mean, I'm obviously just still bummed that it didn't work out. I'm going to try again maybe next summer. And I'm bummed I didn't get to spend time with Amber. Um, she's a podcast listener, and she was on the trip – my surf trip to Mexico as well. And so I was just – excited to get to know her better and spend some time with her and was really looking forward to having this sort of like forest beach situation going on in Tofino. It feels like really my vibe. Maybe next year. So how did you work through the disappointment of that? I mean, I know you you created an alternative, but we've talked a little bit about like 
pushing through it, you you can be disappointed as opposed to like trying to positive your way out of it. Yeah, I think that was one thing when I first found out it was canceled or even like when I in the days leading up to it, when I knew that there was a chance it would be canceled. It was like, well, of course, the first option here is just scrap it and kind of take my calendar off of like unblock my work calendar and just go to work on Monday. And uh, <laughs> some great kangaroo. Sorry. Going on in the we chat. got the we got the the chat happening. <laughs> um, Mira confirms that kangaroos are just like deer. They used to come into the neighborhood and just hang out. <laughs> but I really also knew that if I did that, I was going to be resentful of having to do that. And also just like, I really felt like I needed this break. And I mean, you know, I know her people are saying like, I did go surfing, what about five months, five or six months ago in February. So I had that. And then I have a trip coming up next Actually, it's not coming up till January, so quite a while, but like these are really the trips that help me from burning out in my day-to-day life. And, you know, we could examine all day whether or not I should uh, have some better coping mechanisms that are a little bit more accessible, but I didn't want to just power through it. And I'm grateful that I had the option to not have to just do that, but it kind of felt like my body was so ready for this break. I knew that if I just powered through, I would really be creating even more of a deficit. Like I would kind of like supercharge this deficit that I already felt. So, you know, I still went to California. I slept as much as I could. Like I slept until like almost 10 o'clock California time, which is like 11 o'clock Colorado time one day. Uh, Joy's eyes are wide. I don't think she's ever slept in that late. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Not like- since I was like 16. Right. I remember when I was a teenager, I'd sleep until like one or two in the afternoon. And my mom would get to a point where she'd just like banging pots and pans downstairs being like, <laughs> when the heck is this child going to wake up? Honestly, but, you know, adolescence. Yeah, I could I still do that. haven't slept in that late. <laughs> I think I could still do that if I did not live with a bunch of pot bangers, pot and pan bangers named Miles and Evie. You know, we just like had a really low key time in California. We didn't really have a lot planned. Like we tried to surf every day, but other than that, we kind of just like milled around. My friend was working, but her job's really flexible. And then when I got back, I kind of just like silently unblocked my work calendar. I didn't really tell a lot of people that I was back. And my boss ended up, it just worked out that he was also on PTO the couple days that I got back. So kind of just like flew under the radar, tried to take it easy. And I think there were a couple of times where I felt like, man, I should be doing more work than this. And I was like, you know what? No, like I'm, you know, if somebody emails me, I'm emailing them back. I'm working on some stuff that I can kind of like get done in the meantime. I don't need to just jump right back onto the conveyor belt. And I like took myself out to lunch. I tried to still just kind of lay low. That was really nice. I think it's really nice anytime you can find a, a moment that you can intentionally like disconnect from, yeah, like the conveyor belt of just your day-to-day life. And even though I was home and like cleaning bathrooms still at that point, it did still feel refreshing to not be hitting it super hard. So I think... I just really intentionally made the choice to not dive back in and to still honor that I was really disappointed and that I was bummed and that, you know, I didn't want to just pretend that it wasn't happening or pretend that it didn't feel like a big deal, even though it's a surf trip. You know, it's not like somebody was diagnosed with an illness or like there wasn't like a humongous, like you could, I could have easily argued in my own brain, hey, this was a vacation. You know, you're not like, you didn't lose your job. Like, but yeah, I mean. We don't have to like comparative suffer. It was just a disappointing experience for you. Did they have to... 
like refund everybody or are they doing like a rescheduling thing? How did they handle yeah, that? Yeah, they refunded everybody. So that's such a bummer. So it wasn't no. like a, hey, we're going to postpone it. They were just like, we got to scrap this one. Yeah. Right. And I think, <laughs> again, like I think their schedule throughout the summer is already just full. And they did offer, because like I said, like the they sell like concert tickets when they open. And so they did offer for folks who couldn't. So first of all, they offered if you want a spot on any other thing this this summer, like we'll get you in, even if it's full, like we'll make a spot for you. And if that doesn't work, they did offer um, like a pre-registration for next year. You got some surfing, just not the surfing, the surfing that you did not expect. Well, while you were gone, I went and saw Medium. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise after 10 years, everyone's like, yeah, that, that, that tracks for Joy. Joy would go see a Medium. And I think the last interaction I had was when I went and saw Medium Toby at that Lumber Baron Inn event in January. Yeah, you've like done really a lot cool. of like, like a... group medium situations. Yes. Have you ever been to a one-on-one medium before? I don't Outside of like a tarot so. card reader? No, not a tarot card. Well, yeah, not outside right. of a tarot card reader. I can't say that I have. Like everything has been a group situation. So really, you guys are so funny. Anytime we do this with the chat, it just cracks me up. The gifts are great. So... <laughs> I'll have to turn off the comments while I'm talking because it's going to make me laugh. So Leah, my friend from Foothills Animal Shelter, the one who connected right after we did the donation for Lua and the kennel. So Leah and I are like BFFs now. And we went to lunch one day and she was like, we're talking mediums. I can't remember how that came up. But she's like, you know, I'm not a wooey person, but I see this person once a year and I got a recommendation from my friend to see her. And I think you'd really like her. You should go see her if you're like interested. And I was like, okay. So I set up an appointment back in February. She was like three or four months booked out. So I saw her a couple weeks ago and her office is like two seconds from my house. So yeah, it's so weird. Like the expectations that you have, I try to go in with like such an open mind. And I think it's very easy to go to like a critical place. So I'm just not going to like think about that here. Everyone can have like their critical judgment voices. And I think after the fact, you want to kind of like question whether or not it was real, but I'm just, I'm not interested in that. Like I'm, I want to live in the space that it was like really helpful for me. So I walked in and I thought for a minute, I was like, well, she's probably going to give me like the spiel of like how it goes and the rundown. And, and it looked just like kind of like a counseling office. So I sit down, I have my, like my little notebook cause I wanted to like take notes and the second she sits down, she was like, oh, you're really, you're really in tune with this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I am. And she goes, well, I have, I'm not going to say the whole reading because it's, it'd be so hard to explain, but the the yeah, points that really, too. and it's very personal. Yeah. Very personal. But the points that like super stuck out to me that I will share is my grandfather was the first person to show up. And throughout my entire life, I've always wanted him to show up in any type of like readings that I'm in. And so my grandfather is my mom's father, he was killed tragically. He was shot by a drunk person when my mom was 25. And it really tail like did a tailspin on her entire family. Like there's a lot of trauma and healing uh, that never happened. Just the way that kind of things happened after that, it's kind of looking back now, I'm like, it's really sad. Like a lot of my uncles are have really struggled throughout their life. Um, my mom has five brothers. She's the, she's the oldest. So she really kind of had to step in and take care of the family. And my dad did too, because they had just gotten married. So it was something that like growing up, my mom would always, was always like, I really wish my dad knew you guys, he would have loved you. And 
So growing up, I always heard about him, but I think everyone can relate. Like as you get older, you start to see your parents in a different way, especially like if you are yourself a parent, you kind of like see and walk how your parents may have experienced like life. And I think that's also true just in general that I see the hurt and the pain that they went through in a totally different light now as I'm older of like, I can't even imagine like how they worked through this and they worked through this trauma. So growing up, I was always very like, kind of like yearning to meet him. So I'd always like look at pictures of him and, you know, talk to him. And so he was the first one that showed up and she's like, I have a gentleman here. Is it, a, is it your father? Is it, it's a father figure. And I was like, my father is alive, but my grandparents are not. And so she talked about how, you know, the, the things that he like wanted me to know And that was really meaningful. And she was like, immediately spot on. The funny thing that kind of walking in with her was like, she just dove right in. And it was a little bit shocking at first, because I was waiting for it to kind of like warm up for a second or her to kind of prepare me. But I think she kind of just like, sensed that I was like, yeah, let's get this show on the road. And the second I sat down, she was just like, (laughs) and then she talked about Scott which was weird. She's like, you're married to someone you have a really, you and your partner have like, you found each other in a way of like, you both were totally meant to be together. And she was talking about Scott in a way that I was like, how do you, how do you know so much about him? And it was spot on around that. She said that I lost two cats recently. And look, I assume that like, she doesn't know me. She could, you could say like, oh, everyone's Googleable. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't, like, right. it, that doesn't matter to me. Like- yeah, and she's, 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 it was very, like, obvious that she wasn't. But, like, everyone right. who, it, like, the skeptics, I could probably hear that. It's hard to, to not go there. But it's like, but the point for me was, like, it in the moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, she's totally, she has no idea who I am. And also just, like, some really cool things, like, about my grandparents um, and about, my partner. The thing that I I told this to Leah, I called her like right after I hung up was, and Leah had a similar experience in a different way where she was like, oh, that's interesting that this happened for you because this happened in the same way for me was I make a lot of assumptions about myself when people are talking to me about things. Like you make an assumption that I'm a mom because of I'm of a certain age. And so... I had this feeling that she was going to bring up kids, whether or not I should, or I have kids like that to me was kind of like a, a test of like, oh, she's right, going to say like something about kids. Happen. Yeah. She not once said anything about children. And she only talked about Scott. And she said, you love dogs. And like you, your life is like something about you have you have dogs, plural. And then I kind of told her about, and I was just, I wasn't like withholding anything. I was like, yeah, I volunteer for this organization. She's like, that's your life's purpose. You're never going to stop doing that. And so, but she not once like made an, I am just assuming like she's going to say something about like, well, that's your, that is your replacement. Cause I hate when people like try to use dogs as like a consolation prize. I'm like, look, I made a choice to not have children. You don't need to like project the fact that you think I am like at a loss. You don't have to call them my children. You don't have to call them my babies. You don't have to call me. No. Yeah. Please. I don't like that. I don't. It's like, that's, if that's for you, great. I will never call myself a dog mom. I don't need a replace. I don't need a replacement for children. I chose not to have children. Like, 
there's a purpose for that. And so I was waiting for that, for her to kind of be like, but these are your children. This is, you know, she never said that at all. She just was like, yeah, this is your life's purpose. You love doing this. You love giving to others. It's like, so she, we talked a lot about that, but it was like, that was kind of refreshing that she never brought that piece up that I, again, is like probably my own insecurity that I'm like waiting for someone to project their weirdness on me about like a childless, God forbid, a childless woman. So anyway, it was it was really amazing and it was like a lot of discussion around like life purpose and I talked some about just kind of like the things that I always feel like I should be doing and that was really kind of, that was really validating just around like the fact that you <laughs> she she said something that all that I think really helps me which is like when people die, she's like, whatever the afterlife is, I believe it's, I actually referenced you, Claire. I was like, yeah, my co-host friend of the podcast said, wherever we go, it has to be better than where we are. And she's, you know, whatever that is. And she's like, yeah, I believe the same thing. She's like, I do know that people who have passed and like your spirit guides that are around you are always laughing at the things that we worry about. And like, that's validating to me because it kind of like took away some of the pressure of the things that I'm like always like have like a stick in my butt about. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Like I needed to hear that. I remember one time my mom was talking about, like my family is not super religious, but definitely like somewhat religious. Both my parents grew up going to church. We've talked about this before. You know, um, both my parents to this day have like a pretty active faith in their own way. And my mom was talking about God one day and was saying like, she thinks that God must have the same attitude or not even the same attitude, but like sometimes the same reaction that like we have to a toddler who like dropped their popsicle where like to them, it's like such a big deal. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it's a popsicle. And like, God must look down at us with our problems and be like, it's a popsicle. Like in this scheme 1000%, 1000%. And the things that like, we kind of put pressure on or the things we feel like we have to accomplish, or whatever it may be. And not saying it's like not important. But I think it's just the level of grief that we feel around it is like, whatever's on the other side is laughing in like a loving way. So anyway, it was really cool. It was really validating. It was like kind of one of those things where it's like exactly what I need in this moment. Because I really was finding myself in this place of like spinning, spinning, spinning. What do I do with my life? Where do I go next? And it was really awesome. So if you want to check her out, she does do Zoom readings for listeners. If you were interested in in that piece, um, her website's GinaSelf.com. G-I-N-A, self, like myself. GinaSelf.com. Seriously, I have like no tie or like investment in there's, this is not an ad type of situation. But she was just very, very good and very calming and just kind of like one of those people where you're like, oh yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. Like you were meant for this type of work. Yeah. And then I'm still going to therapy. My next session, I'm kind of hesitating on, which is weird. But my therapist, I think I mentioned, does medical interventions like with ketamine. The last session we had, we did some prep work, talked about the next session being a ketamine session. I'm dragging my feet because I'm like, ah, well, first of all, there's a couple steps you have to go through. Like she doesn't ever handle the ketamine. Like I have to call a doctor. This is not covered by insurance. I have to like call this special doctor. I have to do an intake with them and then they give you the medicine and then you take it with you to the therapist's office. It's never in the therapist's hands. So there's like these very strict protocols, understandably so. But I'm dragging my feet around it because I'm like, oh, I'm scared. (laughs) So I'm like, 
That's my challenge this weekend is to get all the paperwork done to get through this like intake with the doctor and then like set up my med appointment. But I totally trust my therapist. Like she's amazing and she's she's just rad. But so I've only heard of like, I know ketamine is like having a moment maybe sounds a little bit strong of a thing to say, but what I don't I, I like have heard about it out there, but I don't actually know the benefits of it. Like why would somebody do a therapy session with ketamine? Personally, because I wouldn't say I'm an expert on it. Right. So maybe from like the from the patient perspective, not the therapist perspective. Like what is Yeah, so from yeah. the patient perspective, it's a type of the best way that I can conceptualize it is a little bit it sounds a little bit like EMDR. Where when I, not the same type of therapy, but the way that it works. Because whenever I explain EMDR to people, I'm like, this sounds like witchcraft. I don't know how to explain this to you. But ketamine, my understanding, is a way to kind of get a separation from your typical thought processes. So it's like almost kind of having an out-of-body experience. It's led by a therapist where... They are asking questions and gathering information. It's almost a way of like diving deeper, maybe into your subconscious. And so our logical minds are always driving the train. And so this is a way to kind of like get a little bit deeper to get you to have a different perspective. So then when you have like these experiences that are like living inside of you, you can use that moving forward. It's almost like... This sounds so stupid, but it's almost like the genius within is like able to talk to you a little bit louder. <laughs> it like takes so, off the governor of your logical brain. Yes, it okay. takes off like the ego mind, like centric. It takes all of that away. But what I like about my therapist personally is that she doesn't just like do a session and then like you're good to go. She does a prep session where she's like, this is what it, you will experience the best way that she describes it. And then I actually came up with a, like an example myself because it helped me understand it a little better. She's like, ketamine is kind of an introduction to like, if you were to go to the next step, it might be psilocybin. She's like, those are a little bit more of an intense type of experience. But she's like, you, this one is very much like, we're just getting the lay of the land. You're just getting an experience of like what the landscape is like. I'm like, oh, and she's like next. And then the next time you go in for another session, she's like, then you're kind of like more used to it, which again, that's very much like EMDR. The first couple of sessions you are like, I don't really understand how this is supposed to feel. And then you're like, oh, this is supposed to ha- this is how it's supposed to feel. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like going to Meow Wolf where like the first time you go, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, where like, am I? What the heck is this? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then like, but then the second and third time you're like, oh, I've been in this room and I'm explore like I, now that I know where what the heck is going on with this place, I can like be a little more comfortable and also find new things. And she's like, actually, that's a good example. She's like, yeah. <laughs> So that's my knowledge of it, like a very basic understanding. But I like that she also takes it a little bit further where she's like, because I asked her, I may have mentioned this before, of like what she thought about trips like going on ayahuasca trips and things of that nature. She's like, I'm not so familiar with ayahuasca trips. She's like, but what I don't like is it's a little bit whitewashed for white people who like want to go have some type of trip. And she's like, it's a little bit of like co-opting something that is historically very steeped in the culture where when you have an experience like that and you're in that culture and you live in that culture, you're integrating into something that's already pretty standard for that type of like community. She's like where 
I prefer to practice with something that's a little bit like less intense. And then I can also work with you after the fact. It's kind of like called an integration where she's like, it's not just all of a sudden the light switch turns on and you're like, oh, I see life completely differently. She's like, you take it as a tool, what your experience was, and then we continue to integrate that throughout your life. And it takes a lot of practice. So it's kind of like that thing of 10,000 hours to get to where you are now. It takes 10,000 hours to practice to do like new behaviors. So I'll let you guys know if I... Yeah, really interesting. Don't chicken out. I had a friend recently who did something similar, but with psilocybin. And she said it changed. It was really groundbreaking for her that she has like such great lasting effects, even just from one session that like she doesn't feel like this just kind of all the time present like edge of anxiety anymore and that she experienced things kind of during that session that she really didn't expect to experience, but that were really healing. And like she would have never, she was like, you know, it was really interesting because I didn't like go in expecting these things to come up or even like wanting these things to come up. And then when they came up, it was like, oh yeah, this topic is here. This is great. Like it was so kind of even keeled way to deal with it for her. Um, So I've also definitely like experienced some people in my life who go and do ayahuasca and come back and like sell their house and invest in Bitcoin and start a podcast. I think there's this kind of like, like you were saying, Joy, this whitewashed version of what that experience can be. Um, But I've also heard really interesting things about it. So keep us posted. I sure will. All right, let's take a second and talk about our favorite sponsor, Ned. And lately I have really been getting into the Shut Eye Chai. We just love this drink. And you may not know this, but 70 million Americans have chronic sleep issues and 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation. All of us, I feel like at some point in our lives, whether it's one night or for weeks or months at a time, have gone through periods where we have trouble falling asleep. This product, Shut Eye Chai, is inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing tradition and is Ned's biggest product launch to date. They went all around the world gathering information and tasting different styles of chai and making sure that this was going to be a very authentic product. And it is so helpful and so tasty. So it's a mellow super blend latte for sleep that combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms, and magnesium. And it tastes like this just amazing, deep, warm chai. We've talked about this before. We love it with like a little bit of oat milk, maybe a little bit of honey. It really is so like spice forward. It's not like a lot of other chais that you have that almost kind of tastes like a milkshake. Like this is just very deep and spicy and so good. And it doesn't just set you up for amazing sleep. It also has things like chaga, reishi, and ashwagandha that really are so deeply nourishing to your body. So you're getting a ton of additional benefits. They use the highest grade single origin ingredients ethically sourced from some of the world's best small scale farms. They It's really blended just to calm your nervous system, help bring this total sense of peace over you. So go try the Shut Eye Chai. You can go to helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy, J-O-Y, or use discount code joy for 15% off your order. Don't forget they have a money back guarantee where if you try something and you don't like it, you can return it for a full refund within 30 days. So you really have nothing to lose. We also love the daily blend and the sleep blend. Those are also wonderful support for not just restful sleep, but just kind of keeping your body in balance throughout the day. And we really appreciate you guys checking out Ned. We love this brand so, so much. We love the founders. We just know everything they do is so intentional and we love supporting them. So thank you for supporting the brands that support our podcast. Don't forget helloned.com discount code joy. Do we want to read the email that we got around the discussion we brought up? Yeah. So you guys may or may not remember two weeks ago at this point, kind of teased that like when I got back, we were going to have this conversation about cis, able-bodied, heterosexual white men and the fact that there are a lot of good guys out there who 
feel this tension of like, I want to acknowledge my privilege and I don't want to feel like anybody thinks that I'm not aware of the privilege that I have. But at the same time, you know, everyone has personal problems and it can be hard as someone who is a able-bodied, cis, white, heterosexual man to talk about your problems and, and especially get help for your problems without feeling like people are going to shut you down and like, well, you don't know how good you have it. So that's the Cliff Notes version of kind of what we talked about a couple weeks ago. And we asked folks to write in if they had something they wanted to add to that conversation before we kicked it off. Of course, you're always, we always love it when you guys write in. So any, anytime you want to weigh in on this, we'd love to hear it. We only got one email, which is great. Makes it easy for us to pick which one to read. But um, it was from a guy named Ryan, and I can kind of just paraphrase. I think he – and Ryan, if you're listening and I botched this paraphrasing, I'm very sorry. But he basically went on to say that it is really difficult to know when to bring up what and that even with privileges, that doesn't mean you don't – you can't still find yourself in the same problems as people without that that amount of privilege. And the example he gave at the end of his email was like, you know, maybe I do – I can have – my privilege helps me buy a house, but if I lose my job, I can still lose my house. And, you know, the consequences of that – are still real regardless of how I got into that position. Or, you know, he talked about like if there's a promotion on his team and he wants to apply for it, but they're really striving for like 50-50 female representation and leadership that he might get looked over because, or, you know, they may like keep the job listing open for longer than they would have otherwise because they don't have enough female applicants. And he acknowledged in his email, like there's absolutely a reason to have those targets. And, you know, there's so much more to that story. But at the same time, like in that moment, if you're somebody who is worried about losing your job or not getting a promotion that you feel like you really deserve or that you've worked for, that those are the examples where it feels like you're not allowed to bring that up or you're not allowed to complain. You're not allowed to question it or you're not allowed to like be annoyed by it. I just appreciated the examples that Rand gave and I appreciated his email a lot. A lot of those examples did just bring up what we're trying to get at, which well, it's a lot of gray area. And I think right. like, it's, it's you know, a gray area. And, and it's like, I think what we're trying to bring up is like, there's two sides of the story. And we know that there are people other white, cis, you know, heterosexual men out there who have these personal issues who feel really singled out for whatever reason, or just not not singled out, but who don't feel supported. And how can we as a society hold both? Right. And I really like that he also brought up how, well, you know, the jokes around like man cold, man flu, and how sometimes it can feel a little bit like uh, playing into the stereotype or not stereotype, playing into the problem, really, that men can't express their feelings or men can't have, uh, they have to kind of act tough. And so it's a little bit like, we're being hypocrites because we're, you know, I always joke about that. I'm like, oh, Sky, you have to like, you know, feel so sick. And and it's like, actually, that's, uh, am I contributing to a problem here where, where we do need to have conversations around like how you're feeling and open it up to a little bit more of a dialogue instead of like just this very much like snap judgment because we're wanting the masculine to be masculine, but then we also criticize that. So the reason that this topic came up at all was because we were over at a friend's house a couple weeks ago and Brandon and our other friend were talking about this and both of them were like, you know, I we want to be strong allies. We want to be we want to be part of the solution. And also, we're not going to be able to be part of the solution as effectively as we can if we have our own personal struggles that we can't get help for. And that, you know, the healthier that they are, the more they're able to help be allies of other marginalized communities. I think that that's also a really good point that like, if you are harboring this resentment or whatever the case may be, even if you're just having a tough year, 
you're not going to have that same amount of ability to be out there supporting other groups. Then that can contribute to what we're seeing a lot of this kind of like, I kind of hate the phrase pipeline because I feel like it's being overused, but this trend of men who started out white, you know, cis heterosexual men who started out as middle of the road, maybe leaning a little bit conservative, who then get pushed into super hyper conservativeness, conservativeness, who <laughs> because they feel like there's not a space for them to talk about their problems in like the liberal world, that the only way that they can have their problems validated is to be in the conservative world and just sort of like, you know, talk about like, talk about wokeness of like, oh, well, everyone's just woke. I can't have my problems over here. Because they're just like, I think that that's valid. I think that that I've seen that. I've personally seen that happen. You know who we should have on, I wish, to talk about this, because I feel like they'd be really good, is Dax Shepard. Oh my God, Dax, call us. <laughs> he would be so good at like, kind of being a little bit of a spokesperson for this topic. I just, because he, he's so emotional. He's just so open about all of that. Totally. Um, do we want to end with some quick questions? Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to like detour from that topic too much because I feel like we just scratched the surface. If you have more thoughts about this, please let us know. I think it's something we're going to be talking about in an ongoing way. If you are somebody who has cracked the code, please let us know. If you are somebody who feels like they're dealing with this well, if you're somebody who's seen someone in your life go from like normal man, normal, not normal. I mean, not that people who are conservative aren't normal. That's not what I'm trying to imply. But like if you've seen someone make a big a big swing and you feel like that's kind of what's behind it, I would be really curious to know if there's more than just like my own anecdotal evidence out there. But I think we just need what I also would love is like any insight into how to address this while acknowledging the dichotomy of kind of what we're trying to approach here. Okay. Okay. Really quick light question. What or do you do daily gratitude? I used to every single night. I would write down on Instagram stories three things I was grateful for. I did it for probably like three years. I started right before I had EV and I kept it going through the first year of COVID, maybe even two years of COVID. I don't know why I stopped. It just kind of like stopped feeling organic for me. And so I was like, this doesn't feel like something I should force. But I loved it because years and years ago on Girls Gone Wad, we talked about um, how you had maybe a therapist or a friend who would say, you know, what's something good that happened What's something that you're grateful for today? Not Oh yeah, that's Shauna Core's work. Not can't take credit. But yeah, Shauna Core is like a happiness researcher. Yeah. yeah. And so we talked about that on Girls Gone Wild forever ago. And it because like a lot of time when you ask people, like, what are they grateful for? They're like, oh, my family and my friends and like these big macro things. But if you drill it down and you're like, no, no, today, what happened that you're grateful for? And it was so nice because I would sit at the end of the day and like go back through my day of like, oh, that was a nice moment. I'm gonna write about that. Or even like during the day, I would be experiencing something. I'd be like, oh, this is going to go on my highlights later today. And so it just really helped me be present. And it was like the littlest thing. Sometimes there were huge things. Sometimes it was like, you know, the day I had Evie, I was like, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for, you know, having a baby. Like, but there were also the majority of the days. It was like, I'm grateful for a home cooked meal. I'm grateful that, you know, I can go fill up my gas tank and not worry about the cost. Or I'm grateful that Miles brought home a craft today. Like these little tiny moments. Um, and doing it on Instagram which RIP my Instagram account, but it was so nice because then I would get reminders of like what I was grateful for the year before. And that was really fun. I was like, oh, remember COVID? <laughs> like when I was grateful that like there was yogurt at the store or I mean, there was like an entire six month period where every single day I was like, I'm grateful for Maxine. <laughs> so that was how I did it. I loved it. I haven't done it in a while, but yeah, it was great. It helped me just like, it just felt like very easy and simple and helped me be present. Yeah, my answer to this was I don't do anything like writing wise 
exercise or I don't do any type of meditations. This is where I could easily fall into the, like, I should do this and I know it's good for you. But my way of doing it is just taking pauses throughout the day. Uh, I'll go in my backyard. I look at the trees. I look at nature. I do, whenever I go on walks with the dogs, I notice the flowers. Recently, Glennon Doyle and Abby's podcast, podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, they did a discussion around like finding daily delights or like what are the things that really delight you. And I really loved it because it kind of gives you more ideas of what to look for. For example, Abby's was like, oh, I always see this guy walking down the street or it was something about like a guy going into a liquor store or something or anyway it was like some like really happy excited guy that's always in the same spot whenever whenever she's like going to the gym or something and so she's like he's just so delightful and I kind of feel the same way like if I go to a grocery store and you know this certain for example I just thought of one like when I go to Costco there's this gal at the checkout who always remembers me and I don't know how because it's like that always just baffles me when people remember me and they haven't seen me in like two years. But this gal always remembers who I am and loves Joe. And it's the cutest thing because I always take him there for like training trips. I make it a point to go into her line and she's like, oh my gosh, this made my day. Like those interactions, I think it's really good for me to see how, how much interacting with people like that can turn your day around. So that's like, I think more of how I choose to do gratitude is paying attention to those moments or at least kind of taking opportunities to talk to people or saying hi to neighbors when you're walking by, little things like that, like those little delights. I love that you get to like go through the world with your cute dogs. Oh yeah, it's really fun. It really is. Like when I went to this uh, recently, Canine Companions, our, our local chapter, Uh, needed a representative to go to this awards ceremony for the Colfax race that we just had. So as you know, may remember I ran the 10 mile race there. This has nothing to do with like me getting an award, but Canine Companions was a nonprofit in that organization or in that, like they had a booth afterwards. So there's like all these organizations that you can raise money for. And so Canine Companions, one of the relay teams decided to donate their, the money that they raised to Canine Companions. So someone had to be there to like pick up the big check and get the actual check. So when I show up there, everyone's kind of like, oh my gosh, tell me about him. And I get to do a lot of education. That's another thing I love about volunteering for Canine Companions is you get to do a lot of educating about the organization and about service dogs and about training service dogs. And so people are just like, you never know, maybe someone will become a puppy raiser. Like this one lady was asking a ton of questions about puppy raising. I'm like, hmm, maybe she'll become a puppy raiser, which is a side note. If you are slightly interested in becoming a puppy raiser, they really need puppy raisers right now. So that's, you know, that's the thing. You can go to canine.org to look that up and they give you all the tools you need. It is, you have a huge community of support. But like those moments where you just kind of get to talk about your dog and talk about the organization. Um, But yeah, I feel like I walk through the world so differently when I have him with me as opposed to just kind of like walking through. It's it's just so fascinating how animals can bring people together. Just being able to, people instantly want to talk about their dogs and their animals. But I really like that piece about volunteering because you're always talking to people and always meeting people. Who doesn't love Joe? This is just the best. Eight weeks, you guys. It's eight weeks. I mean, seven weeks by the time this comes out. It's like, it's going to go by way too fast and I'm not ready. I know. I'm not ready. (laughs) Okay. 
All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us this week. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can find us online at joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Please don't forget to check out our sponsor, Ned, and get yourself some shut-eye chai. That's helloned.com forward slash joy, J-O-Y, or use discount code joy for 15% off your order. Thanks again so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.